0: This episode of Guitar Radio Show is brought to you in part by
1: Geppetto Pickups, geppettoguitars.com Guitar players are always searching for the tone that will define their playing identity. Geppetto Pickups' wide spectrum of tones and sonic colors inspire and instill a newfound confidence in the player that comes from having amazing tone. Single coils, humbuckers, and bass pickups wound and constructed by hand to a level of perfection that will finally satisfy that search for tone and enhance your playing. Because, let's face it, when you sound better, you're inspired to play better. Go to geppettoguitars.com, we'll give your guitar's voice, but you'll make it sing. Welcome
0: to Guitar Radio Show. Show, 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 show. Your host,
1: Mark Davin Alright folks, welcome back to Guitar Radio Show Our next guest is someone I really identify with His unique ability to navigate his way through different genres of creation While satisfying his own needs and musical desires Is something most musicians only dream of getting to do When this show started in 2012 He was on our original wish list of guests And we finally got him and I'm absolutely thrilled. Please welcome to Guitar Radio Show, Mr. Alex Skolnick. How are you, sir?
0: All right, Mark. Thank you for the great introduction and for having me. And I'm sorry it took so long to make this happen.
1: <laughs> we were there a couple of times. We were almost there a couple of times, but it's great. Yeah. I'm so glad. It, it's funny, this year has been that kind of year uh, for, for sure. the show. Um, you know, um, Andy McKee. Uh, joined us finally, and uh, he's he's wonderful as well. I know Andy.
0: Yeah, great. great great player. Great player. Yeah, and all very uh, diverse too.
1: Very diverse. Very diverse. I mean, you know, for for, for Prince to ask you to be your opening act, to be the opening act, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. Um, do you ever do you ever think about what I what I mentioned earlier that the fact that you so seamlessly move from musical landscapes back and forth and through all different types of musical landscapes or or is there really is there really isn't a differentiation for you
0: um yeah i mean it is it is very different but um it you know it feels very comfortable um i guess i've learned to just uh you know, take the differences, and yeah, you know, the differences also come with um, you know, playing with different musicians in each genre. There's not that much overlap. Uh, there's occasional uh, exceptions, but for the most part, I'm playing with very different um, musicians in an improvisational setting mm-hmm. than I am with like a, a rock or metal setting. Uh, the gear is different. Mm -hmm. So I'm just naturally going to play different if I pick up uh, an arch top or semi hollow body uh, through a a clean combo amp than I will if I pick up a solid body playing through a stack that's like heavily overdriven.
1: Right. Obviously. I mean, that makes sense. But was, was, I mean, coming up, as you as you were coming up as a musician, you were you were obviously influenced by lots of different types of music. It's sort of like been, it's like for me, it's always been a buffet table. You know, I don't I don't just load up on the Swedish meatballs. You know, it's like I want to right
0: right. That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. So has it ever been a hindrance? Because it had been for me. Mm-hmm. Has it ever been a hindrance?
0: Well, they to try, try to put you in categories. You know, yeah. People think if you do. Uh, If you are Identifying Swedish Meatballs It is Yeah And it's a very Well known brand Of Swedish Meatballs (laughs) Uh, Yeah You're gonna get Categorized that way Yeah And Articles Articles that have Nothing to do with that Will say You know Testament guitarist Alex Kulnick you know? Right. It's, just the, it's the weirdest thing because that's not what I'm doing. You know. Right. But I guess there's this need to categorize, and I guess because it's such an identifiable thing, and so mm-hmm. many people um, require that. I've, I've never um, required that among other art for other artists. Right. You know, I can accept somebody in m- multiple situations, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess I'm you know. An unusual case in that
1: sense, right? I mean, when 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 you did make the change, you know, and, and moved, started to move into different categories for the public. I mean, you had been doing it on your, you had been doing it for your on your own. It was considered, you know, it was considered in the guitar community as a really bold move. Like, oh, you know, and it was always, and to me, it was like, wow, this is so refreshing to me. Because being a Testament fan and also being a fan of, of jazz guitar and esoteric music and world music, you know, like I said, it's, never been, it's always been a buffet table for me. I was just like, I was like oh, this is amazing. It's, why, it's kind of why I said in the beginning that I really identify with you this way in, in the sense that, um, you know, and as soon as I heard the, the AST stuff, I was just like, oh, man, this is just fantastic. It's it's getting to, you know the, the peeling the onion you know Right
0: right it makes sense it made sense to me to, to do that and uh, you know I got offers to do a shred album like all instrumental shred it's going to be like Right yeah, testament but shred all the time <laughs> I just had no interest in doing that Right I like I don't want to listen to that, and maybe there's some small percentage of an audience that does, but that, that that's not what I want to listen to, and it wouldn't feel right. And even if it was, even if that was the, the most commercially successful formula, you know, and that was popular and top 40, it wouldn't matter because it doesn't feel right, right. for me to do it. Right. And what felt right for me at the time... Was to take time off and you know fill in gaps in my knowledge and experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't know how to play with a piano player. I didn't know that if you're in a combo and the piano is comping, well then you, you don't comp. One of you, you know? right? Or uh, I didn't know. Uh, you know, there's certain things about dynamics. Um, I didn't know how to make a chart and just that yeah that skill alone is just yeah it's just done wonders um you know I, I'm, I'm not somebody that could be put on stage at a classical music hall and sight read a piece of music perfectly but just to be fluent enough with with uh the written language music mm-hmm. where you or is. It had, for me what I wanted to do was invaluable and I'm not judging anybody else I never said anybody else should do what I do in fact don't do what I do it would probably feel weird to you <laughs> uh, even though I, I was accused of that you know oh he thinks he's better than us he's elitist you know no yeah. it's like I, it was coming from a genuine place I genuinely love a lot of music that I'm unable to figure out the same way that I used to figure out Michael Schenker licks mm-hmm. and Randy Rhoads licks. Mm-hmm. I can't just do it by ear. Yeah, you know, if I'm going to learn uh, things by uh, John Schofield, for example, or Pat Martino, well, okay, I, I need to learn about these progressions. I need to learn about uh, you know swing and different types of grooves. And I was inspired by. Um, you have Sonny Rollins. He had taken time off. I think a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Wow, after he had a career, just because he felt like he wasn't as as good as he could be, and just went and played under the Williamsburg Bridge and did an album after that with Jim Hall, which was how I discovered that because I'm a Jim Hall fan, called The Bridge, mm-hmm. and that was a big insp- inspiration. It's like you know what? I, that's what I need to do. I need to instead of trying band after band and uh, I've had a couple high profile auditions um, you know just almost had worked out not quite I just thought you know what I'm just gonna take time off and just only focus on what feels right right and that's what led to the trio that's what led to a lot of the uh, things I do now
1: yeah I and it's and for you, it was completely natural. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's what often enough people don't understand. It's like when I talk to people and they, and they say, so who are, your, you know, who are your three favorite guitar players? And I tell them, well, it's, it's Jeff Beck, um, Pat Metheny, and Jim Campolongo.
0: Mm, great, great combination.
1: Right? Yeah. And they, they couldn't be all more different than each other, but yet kind of the same.
0: Right, right. Oh, I could, I could see that,
1: for sure. You know, sure. so it's it's like, you know, because there's these qualities in these players, you know, and, and obviously also, you know, you talk about decades, right? Mm-hmm. I, I heard Jeff, the first time I heard Jeff was, uh, actually, the first time I ever heard him was Wired. Huh? I was a bass player at that point in 1975 you know uh-huh. and and, I, and and I was like that was it I put the bass down and, and never looked back and wanted to play the guitar after I heard after I heard his version of uh, goodbye port pia yeah you know yeah. which I'm still trying to get every nuance today um
0: or well, even if you go before that like some of the yardbird stuff
1: Oh yeah and then I, of course you end up going backwards
0: Yeah you know? and I I didn't know this but uh I, just read that in Heart Full of Soul he wasn't supposed to play that part they actually had a a sitar player an Indian sitar player Uh and he sounded beautiful but apparently he wasn't getting the timing and the syncopation so Jeff Speck showed him on guitar he was just trying to demonstrate the timing right and and the animation and he he imitated the sitar but it was like nothing anybody had ever heard. <laughs> and the producers went crazy. They're like, let's just do that.
1: That's that sounds, great. That's beautiful. Uh, and that, that was, he was using that, what, that solo sound uh, fuzz pedal on there, right? Or whatever it was. That uh, Yeah. And
0: uh, that, you know, a lot of what he did later was sort of built on that. Yeah. Saying, you know, instead of sounding like another guitar, oh, let's, let's sound like a whole other instrument. Right. Yeah. Take right. that somewhere. Else. Right Be where that goes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's where like people like Adrian Ballou were like, "Well, why don't want the guitar to sound like a guitar? Let's make it sound like a chainsaw." <laughs> right.
0: Or an elephant.
1: <laughs> or an elephant. Right. or or a rhino on lone rhino or whatever. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how are you with How are you with musical labels? Does it Does it bother
0: you? Um. You know. it's it didn't used to bother me and I I never understood what anybody why anybody would have a problem with that because I, you know, I was before um, Gary Moore's blues career I was a big fan of his solo records I mean yeah. they're just amazing yeah it's hard to I mean, all, all of this stuff but um, and it's some of it's pretty heavy it's like you know it, it kind of fits with that era of of metal and somebody asked him about that. It's not that he had a problem with. It. He didn't say, "Don't call me a metal player." But he said, um, "You know, that's just one side of what I do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. well, such a mel- but, yeah. such a melodic player.
0: But then, um, yeah, and then years later, as I was diving deeper into jazz, I read interviews with Miles Davis and. He hated the word jazz.
1: I mm-hmm. don't call
0: yeah. it as. What are you supposed to call <laughs> him? You're Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> but now I totally get it. having been categorized. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just referred to as thrash metal, which had, like is just one small component of what I do overall.
1: Right. It is the most visible component, right. but
0: still, uh, it, it's just strange because you can hear me play in other situations, and and never know. There are musicians I I play with that don't know a thing about that genre of music. Yeah. they know only from um, hearing about it that I I do this other stuff, but they you know, they would consider me more of a, a jazz musician.
1: Mm hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Then, you know, the term jazz music would be a shock to people that know me from uh, Thrash metal, Right. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So I have a complicated relationship with categorization.
1: Yeah. But it definitely helps the, the marketing department.
0: I guess. I guess. I, uh, <laughs>
1: That's at least I what I
0: found, anyway. Projects, you know. Yeah. If I put out. Um, an easy listening record. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't mind it being called an easy listening record or if I put out a country record or whatever. Right. That's fine. But then if you were to start calling me a country musician or an easy list, that would be very weird. That would be weird. Yeah. (laughs) Or to even say crash metal musician does country. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I don't get. Yeah. I don't mind it in terms of Projects of describing a style of music, but I do. Uh, it it can kind of get under your skin if it's you know they're talking about you personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like when it's like when Zach Wild did the Pride and Glory record. Oh. I don't know if you remember that record. People were like, "Oh, he's on a he's on a Leonard Skinner trip." He's gone southern rock. Yeah, it's like. But meanwhile, you know, you see that stuff live, that <laughs> wasn't the case at all,
0: you know. Also, but, I always thought he sounded kind of Southern Rock,
1: he, anyway. He, but yeah, and, and he, he, he digs it. Yeah, yeah, and
0: that's always been kind of his how, right? Mama, I'm coming home, is that not Southern but, Rock? <laughs> it really is, yeah, absolutely. But wide and um, No More Tears?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you are uh
1: and thankfully so, you're one of the more melodic players out there that that plays the types of music that you do, both in Testament and AST. Uh where where did that come from? What was the impetus that gave you that melodic bent?
0: Uh well that's what draws me in is melody. I like to hear, uh, I like to hear a, a guitar part that supports the song. Mm-hmm. It's much more important than some way uh, of dexterity. Now, if you have a good, um, well-placed technical part, that can be really exciting. But I just I don't I don't like hearing that as a poet, you know instead of melody and um, that's you know often the case i can just tell if a guitar record or whatever whatever kind of record if the guitar part is designed for guitar players if you're playing for you know people that read guitar websites and magazines it's it's obvious mm-hmm. uh and that's okay, you know, there's actually nothing wrong with it. Again, it's, I'm not judging it. I, it's just, it's not really for me. Right. And you can go back to the simplest solos, right? You can look at Ace Frehley. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of those classic Kiss solos, it's, it's different from another. It's really built off of the part. Mm-hmm. You can hum it.
1: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely, and
0: I love that. I yeah. still so I I kind of I went through it. I thought I outgrew Kiss, <laughs> and I realized, oh my god, you know John Bonham is the best drummer, and uh, you know uh, Van Halen—it's just a whole other level of, of guitar. Mm-hmm. But you know later on when I went back to that early Kiss stuff, I realized okay, there's a reason I like this. Mm-hmm. It it holds up, mm-hmm. and it's still melodic now Michael Schenker is another one um a little more technical than Ace Frehley he was kind of in between now you know not as technical as Van Halen but more technical than Ace Frehley hmm but all those solos are, are singing and they're so um you know they're, they, they're so identified with uh the songs
1: mm-hmm So
0: I I, yeah, so I always looked at that and I thought, okay, this is, yeah, this is something. This is what I want to do, and you know, a lot of people were trying to play like they were signed to Shrapnel Records, you know, with all those crazy guitar albums. Yeah, some of which I I could enjoy, but I just like you know no, I'd rather I'd rather sneak in a technically exciting lick here and there, but overall have something very um, memorable and melodic for the the main part of whether it was a guitar solo or guitar break. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so the song within the song.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: that I, I, I want to, that very quote man. came from Ace. Mm.
0: Oh, that's a.
1: Uh, he always looked uh, at solos as the song within the song.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. And Pat Metheny has the story within the story.
1: Hmm. Who's somebody I want to talk to you about also later on? But and and you know I can draw a line from like from Ace Frehley right to Elliot Easton.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean those those are. Cool great solos. Oh,
1: they're oh. astounding.
0: Yeah. Mike Campbell as well. Yes. Right. There's just not a note that once he plays a note, there's, there's not one you can live without.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It's like, okay, that has to be there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've yeah. always admired that. I've also liked, you know, full disclosure, I've liked technical guitar playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the first Van Halen record is like a, a Bible to me. Now, mm-hmm. I've studied it and often gone back to it, even in modern times. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I also, you know, I uh, it's not it's not the the priority for me is not to, to dazzle. I'm flattered that people uh, will occasionally convey that okay, maybe I played something. They they felt dazzled. Right. That's not, but that's not. Yeah, you know, not my intent. My intent is really to make a statement that's musical.
1: Right. Well, I, and I and I think even though Eddie was technical, I think those songs, I think those solos were hummable too.
0: Well, he was very honest about it, and it was very, very hummable in its own way. You couldn't. Some of it is physically impossible to hum. You know, because it's <laughs> so damn bad. <fast.
1: laughs> yeah, that's true
0: it was balanced it was balanced with parts that you could hum
1: right right yeah but sure uh, like yeah, ain't talking about love or yeah yeah for sure
0: or uh da, 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 da. yeah and he was also a multi-instrumentalist so right right this aware very deep awareness more than most of us yeah of yeah all
1: do you have a favorite eddie van halen solo
0: um, I'm pretty partial to I'm the one because I feel like it's kitchen sink. Yeah, everything. Right? it's got blues attitudes. It's got it's got the uh, two handed eruption lick, but not too much of it. Mm-hmm. It shows up, but it's just sort of in and out. It's got this pattern that he does just across the strings, symmetrical pattern. Mm-hmm. Not really a scale. Mm -hmm. But again, which I've always loved, it's got feedback, it's got great bends, it's got great uh, tremolo bar Mm -hmm. stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty partial to that
1: one. Yeah, for me, it's one foot out the door.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good one. It sounds it
1: sounds like it sounds like a a car that's getting ready to just go completely off the off the road, right? But doesn't. It's completely, it's manic, but at the same time, and it's so exciting. It's urgent. That's the word. It's
0: urgent. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. The common threads that you hear in the solos because Mm -hmm. you don't. It does. They don't sound the same, but there are so many similarities. Mm -hmm. You know, parts of "I'm the One" are basically jump, Mm -hmm. but it because the tempo is different. The intensity is different
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, The key is different The timing is a little You know what I mean? It's, it, it doesn't seem the same But then you look at it It's pretty incredible there, There's there's a lick in Ice Cream Man That's in another solo On the record I forget exactly which song It might be Jamie's Crime But uh-huh. I would never put two and two together But it's just like Slightly displaced Wow! But then you realize it's oh, it's the exact same pattern.
1: Oh, I got to go now. I got to go back and listen to that. That's great. (laughs) That's fantastic. So you're you're right now. You're about twenty episodes. Actually, I think you are exactly twenty episodes in on your new podcast.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it's Um, and
1: tell everybody what it's called.
0: It's called Moods and Modes. And. the van halen episodes are some of my favorite ones mm-hmm. i mean i thought, i wish i wish uh they were under different circumstances yeah i was already planning a tribute and a deep dive into van halen stuff and so then you know when he passed away so then it, it ended up being this m- more like a memorial right. but that's a good representation of kind of what I, what I do often on the podcast which is you know I'll I'll play little I'll play sections of music I mm-hmm. can't do too much copyright music but I'll also play on guitar right and talk about like similarities all find.
1: that's and fun that's case. actually a lot of fun I enjoyed that
0: yeah and actually on the Van, Van Halen is he's a rare one because he came up with so much original sounding stuff mm-hmm very hard to detect any influences other than riff-wise and tone-wise. You know, Tony Iommi, which he's talked about right. extensively. Um, but for the you know, for the longest time, he would mention Eric Clapton.
1: Yeah, and which I, always odd like, to me. That was always odd.
0: Yeah, my biggest was just Clapton. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I think that was true early on. Like, I think that was just Like
1: crazy. cream. Like Israeli gears? Yeah. yeah.
0: I cream Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, much, much more accurate one would be Alan Holdsworth, who he's also right. mentioned.
1: Right. The UK record.
0: UK and also uh, his work with um, Jean-Luc Ponty. so on my episode of Van Halen I talk about this one Jean-Luc Ponty track uh, one of the enigmatic ocean parts and there's a lick that Holdsworth plays and you know this is like mid 70s before Van Halen had come out And it's one of the few times I can tell, okay, I can tell where Eddie Van Halen got a lick. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to his lick solo on Beat It, it's the same lick, same key. Oh, wow. It's a very discreet source, you know. Holdsworth on Enigmatic Ocean, part two or three, you know. And it's really quick, too. And it's mixed in with all this other stuff. So it's not like an obvious. Um, You know, stealing of a lick, but one of these rare examples where okay, you can actually hear them being influenced by somebody else. But anyway, so I I do a lot of these explorations on the podcast, and um, it's a lot of fun. Um, Sometimes I I do them myself. Sometimes I'll have a guest. Uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, Peter Frampton as a guest. And that was a lot of fun. I have somebody coming up that is all equally noteworthy. Cool, uh, which I'm excited about. My next episode, yeah, please, you're gonna. <laughs> I think you'll appreciate the next
1: episode. I'm looking forward to it because I, I, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm a subscriber. I've been listening to it. since, oh, thank you. since the get go. You know, well,
0: everybody, pretty subscribe, rate, review. Yeah, check it out,
1: y'all. It's good. I've
0: just I've, I've become a constant podcast listener. Yeah, I also like to turn off my brain with music. I'm mm-hmm. working with music so much, right? You need a break, and podcasts are exciting. And I, for the longest time, I wanted to do one that was like this NPR podcast, the Piano Jazz, mm-hmm. which was like a formal sit-down and jam session. And I have a few of those, and uh, I'm sure I'll do more. Um, you know, post COVID. Uh, but at least I got to do a few of those Before the, the, this happened Before the pandemic happened right. So those are are there But I also really like Storytelling uh, I love to, uh, you know, This American Life Serial yeah, uh, The podcast, stuff like that And mm-hmm. I realized, oh, you know, I, I could totally Do something like that Because I have a laptop With recording software I have instruments I have a lot of music that is like either leftover or just you know doesn't fit any of the you know projects that I tour and record with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, all I needed was a good uh, podcast mic and uh, and uh, stand. <laughs> 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 and just learning how to do it. You know, but yeah. anyway, I that, part of my that was my yeah you know, one of my pandemic projects.
1: That's cool. I mean, a lot of people yeah. did that. I thought it was really cool that a lot of people were getting into that idea of doing that. Yeah. You know, especially for You know, especially for us who are fans of you and other people like that. Who, you know, it's like, oh, this is great because now we get to see another side of that. Person, right. You know. Yeah,
0: and a lot. Of, a lot of them are conversational.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. But so many. There's so many of those. But I. So I really want to make mine different. So I really get into the storytelling aspect. That's uh, cool. Like finding things that, you know, p- p- people aren't always aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's aware of Holdsworth with John Luke Ponty and that influencing Van Halen. Right. Uh, I've had Percy Jones on, that I'm, who I'm playing with in a new project. And, you know, Percy Jones was, was in Brand X with right. Phil Collins. right and that's that story is incredible because peter gabriel leaves genesis everybody thinks the band is finished they audition singer after singer uh phil collins does not want to be the singer they finally like push him into it
1: yeah
0: uh, he does great but now he's the front man he can't play drums he needs to play drums so he joins brand x and even then he thinks uh you know he's it's not gonna last people are gonna get tired of his singing you know? um and Percy was with him during this period so it's just great to get these stories Percy also recorded with Brian Eno on some amazing music um uh, some, some of it with Phil Collins they were kind of like a tag team
1: one of my favorite so, musicians absolutely
0: yeah me too so it's just great to get these stories and then yeah. kind of explore music and Put two and two together in different ways. So, have, you
1: heard, know, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard the uh, Brian Eno David Byrne project, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts?
0: Yeah, very
1: nice. I love yeah. that record. It's so amazing. It's still so yeah. good.
0: Amazing.
1: Just the quality of those, those Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. So tell me about the project with Percy. Yeah. So
0: this this was another thing that a lot of. Uh, you know, unexpected surprises came about in 2020 that were positive. So, for all the negativity, the uh, Moods and Modes podcast is one. Um, PACT is another, and PACT stands for Percy, Alex, Kenny, Tim. Those are our first names, Percy Jones, myself, Kenny Grahowski, and uh, Tim Moxer. And uh, we were brought together by uh, Leonardo from Moon June Records, Leonardo Vakovic, who's a big supporter of music that actually used to manage um, Alan Holdworth. And, um, you yeah, Leo thought we would sound nice together. So uh, what could it hurt to do a gig? So we did this strange gig uh, with wearing masks, no audience, only streamed at um, Shapeshifter Lab in Brooklyn, which is this uh, kind of experimental, improvisational jazz venue owned by Matt Garrison, the incredible musician himself, and um, we yeah, we just kind of hit it off musically. The show went great. They have the capability to record, so we recorded this live uh, set and or we, we took the best parts of it and Turned it into a double CD And um, ended up uh, doing some more shows uh, Last July And recording more music And um, we're going to keep going We have a couple concerts in September coming up And uh, it's a lot of fun It's very improvised uh, it, it goes many places you know, it, it covers a lot, a lot of territory, a lot of um, you know, great, um, yeah, you seventies know, jazz rock fusion cool. moments, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's 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 just uh, it's it's been it's been great, and it looks like uh, we, you know, we're we're going to keep it going.
1: That's great. That's, I'm I'm super psyched to hear this. When do you think we'll have yeah. something to hear?
0: Yeah, you, know, you do right now.
1: Oh, on YouTube.
0: Uh, no, no, I mean, there's uh, CDs available on Bandcamp.
1: Oh, sweet.
0: Yeah, uh, you can stream it. Uh, there's like two full CDs, full albums. One one's a digital only release from the last tour, but the first that first show that's a, that's a CD, um, and uh, it's available for streaming. Um, just it's all on Bandcamp. Great. And I just look for PACT, P A K T.
1: I'm all over it. I can't wait. Awesome, that's exciting.
0: Um, I, think there's a re- I think I just saw a review today in uh, Jazz Times.
1: Very cool. Thank you. Um, you released two singles this year with Randy Klein, pianist Randy Klein. That's right.
0: Yes, and that's another
1: one. They're ju- they're just beautiful. One is called oh, One Thanks. is called Casa China, and the other one is Exalted right. Kingdom. Can we can we expect a full album
0: um I think eventually yeah I mean I think the kind of the way things seem to be working it just makes sense to do a song at a time it's just yeah with yeah the way
1: the way of the world with
0: all, the way of the world yeah it's just a, to go into a studio to do a full album to do an album cycle
1: mm-hmm.
0: doesn't really make sense anymore mm-hmm but I think um, eventually, yeah, I know we're we're planning to do more. But we're doing them one at a time.
1: They're absolutely beautiful. They're pristine.
0: Uh, I, I Thank just, you. I yeah, just, Randy's got just really nice compositions and um, But yeah, he's another one. He's he's got a complex relationship with jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he has parts that certainly sound more jazz he's an acoustic pianist so that puts him in like but he also is not limited to that and uh you know his his tunes are um are are not limited at all they're they're interesting they're fun to play play over mm-hmm. and
1: uh, well you you guys yeah, we're, kind and we're
0: different generations of musicians
1: uh-huh but, uh, but yet you complement each other really well
0: yeah we just yeah we play together he's an example of somebody i play with that yeah, you know, like wouldn't know uh, a Slayer song from a rolling pin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, we play together and it's perfect. Oh yeah, he 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 jokes about it and uh, he always wants to know and when is Testament gonna play. He wants because he he gets a kick out of it because you know, he knows me so well from this <laughs> other side. <laughs> He's been to a show and yeah, it's it's funny. That's great. Um, Stu Ham is another musician like that. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'll bring up a, a band like Slayer. Now. I love them, love their Blue period.
1: Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, first time I ever heard Stu Ham was on that. I think it was on Flexible.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's I uh, have fantastic. Stu has a new. Uh, recording coming out that uh, we tracked together, and um, we did that. We, we did some of it last spring, some of it last fall. That's mm-hmm. actually going to be a full out.
1: Oh, cool! So
0: keep an eye out for that. that will okay. come out later this year. Um, and then um, I've also got a couple singles of my own coming in September.
1: Oh, this month—that's excellent.
0: Yeah, they're going to shock people. But I like... (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, um, I'll I'll give a hint of what they are. So last year, um, I did something just purely for my own amusement. And because I needed to express it, I did a um, a couple songs that ended up being like political rap songs. Mm Mm-hmm. And these were just home-recorded tracks. Uh, it was during the shutdown, so I did videos for them sitting on my sofa holding an iPad. And they one of them went semi-viral. They, bo- they both did pretty well. And they're very, um, they're kind of uh, Zappa-inspired. Oh, cool. An absurdist. Yeah. Right. And so social commentary. So I've got two more songs like that coming out, but they're very, they're next level. So one of them um, I did on my own, all, all on keyboards, but I play bass and, and guitar and actually had it professionally uh, mixed and mastered. And the other one I recorded with my trio. And it's more of a blues tune, but I sing, and it's it's, it's quite funny. It's
1: uh, all right. My curiosity very, is peaked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I started sneaking little vocal bits into the trio set. Everybody said, you know, you, you should sing more. I never took myself seriously as, as a singer, right. but in recent years, I found a uh, vocal range, and people, it's low. And people say, you know, occasionally you sound a bit like Zappa. And oh. I love Zappa. I miss Zappa. I wish he were around to comment mm-hmm. on oh. so many like, yeah. absurdities. You oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, oh. Uh, hey. I,
1: I, I, I think Zappa, Robin Williams, if, yeah. if these people were here. Oh. George Carlin, George Carlin, Carlin, Uh, right? If they were here, what would they be saying now? I I, I honestly think that's why they're gone, so they didn't have to, so their brains wouldn't
0: explode. I mean, They were smart. Yeah, Yeah. they got off. They got out. So did uh, Prince and David Bowie. Right,
1: right. So could you imagine, could you imagine the commentary? It would be astounding. I, I imagine they could save us.
0: Possibly, if anybody could. <laughs> Although, who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I obviously, and obviously, nobody can be like Zappa. But you know, I can be inspired by him.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. there's a couple. There's there are some vocal parts that are, you know, unashamedly um, Zappa. It, Zappa-esque, Zappa-esque, right? Zappa-esque, so, right. Um, I won't say more about them. I don't. I don't want to give too much away. But, okay. Um, I, I believe I'll release the first one uh, late September, mm-hmm. the last week of September, and then follow up. Follow it up in uh, a couple weeks later. Oh. Cool.
1: So I have someone in mind, and I'm okay. gonna hold, I'm gonna hold this until you answer the question, but. Who do you think you would most like to collaborate with next?
0: Oh god that's uh that's an interesting question. Um, gosh, I've been able to collaborate with so many folks that uh, it's, it's just been a thrill to collaborate with um, unfortunately, you know, one the one I, w- I would pick is who is also no longer with us so many losses lately, would be chick Korea mm. Um. But since he is not not around, you know, I think it would be somebody you know like that, just like an all-around musician that that plays, you know, just any any style. Um. So I don't know. You know, I mean, one there's a, there's one that actually might. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, he's in the network of the Percy Jones project that I'm doing uh, Moon June Records, and that's uh, Gary Husband. Okay, but it's just an incredible musician, incredible drummer, incredible piano player, and um, somebody like you know he 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 definitely comes to mind.
1: Okay, I would love. To see a dual guitar record between you and Pat Matheny. Oh
0: well, that, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, that yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he he really is multiple guitar players
1: though. <laughs> he kind of is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think honestly, I'm not sure. I think, com- Although, I, th- I think you'd I think you'd complement each other. Yeah,
0: I'm I. I don't know about you know, maybe with his regular like Pat Mithini sound. But you know, he has these other sides
1: too. No, with the, like, so, like with just with just an upright and a and a small kit behind you guys.
0: Hmm. Okay, that would that would be interesting. I mean, you know, okay if he he's got that synth sound that he does.
1: Right, the synth clavier, yeah.
0: And well the um, yeah, the Roman synth. Yeah. Um, Way back when. And he's got that um, great acoustic sound that he does, and he does baritones. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he can collaborate
1: with anybody. Yeah. So. Like something like going all the way back to like the, the vibe of Bright Size Life kind of a vibe.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I like the thought. <laughs> all
1: right, let's put it out there in the universe and all see right. what happens. <laughs> yeah. So in 2020, you and Testament released Titans of Creation. Can we talk about a few tracks on that? Sure, absolutely. So if I had to pick two favorites on the record, it would be City of Angels, which I freaking love. That's like on that's on a loop. That track is great, and cool. and Ishtar's Gate, mm-hmm. which is another one of those tunes where you know you don't hear that type of playing in that genre a whole bunch, but it works perfectly.
0: Oh, cool. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Um, was that a record yeah, that was tracked in twenty or nineteen?
0: That was well. It came out in twenty twenty. Right. That I know. Uh, the tracks were done in twenty nineteen, and um, yeah, those tunes I, I just sort of uh, encouraged. You know, I I, I remember that like with um, Cities of Angels, the the quiet part. The clean guitar part was just a really quick part that Eric had, and it was either going to be an intro or an outro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember thinking that yeah, that should be like the basis of the whole song. It's such a good part. And um, yeah, with uh, yeah, was the other one. You know, I, I just tried to play differently than. On, on the other tracks I mean it's very when you've done so many songs it can be really easy to fall into patterns yeah but I really just tried to look for um yeah, melodic parts that don't sound like the other stuff that I've played although yeah for um compositionally like I I wasn't as much a part of those two songs I the song Symptoms is one I wrote and uh code of Hammurabi is one I, I mm-hmm. wrote
1: most of. Yeah, days. that's another one. That's another one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So good. those I really yeah you know, try to put in some different things as far as timing and harmonies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um if it's if it's not one of the, my compositions, I I try to do that in, as best I can in the solos.
1: Yeah. Um, people, uh, when I talk to hardcore Testament fans, and I know quite a few, um, and I tell them that my favorite record is "Dark Roots of Earth," they just look at me like when a when a German Shepherd hears a high pitched noise. Um, oh yeah, I love that record. I think that record is really solid, and that was. I agree,
0: honestly. That's. I think we love that record too. Like that's when we feel the strongest about. Yeah. It's just um, It's got a little bit of everything you know? It does it's, It doesn't There's nothing to prove I think there was definitely was something to prove On the record before that Because I was back in the band After a long time Right. And the band Either way, with or without me The band had not recorded in a long time So there was just this um, Sense that you know, we need to. Yeah, there is something. We to prove that. Yeah, we're relevant. Yeah, <laughs> so.
1: yeah. It was. It was. It, it has. It once again. There's that word urgency. It has a level of urgency. It's like.
0: Yeah, you know. but I think, and I think that was good. I think that certainly informed that record, and it certainly put the band back on the map. Mm-hmm. But the next one, I, I felt like I think it was good to not be quite as urgent. You know what I mean? and just it allowed room for experimenting mm-hmm. the tune Dark Roots of Earth was this um, not a ballad but you know a slow song by the standards that we'd had right yeah kind of the tempo slow, which we didn't really have stuff like that mm-hmm. so it really brought something there. and then there are other songs on there that are super fast they're yeah. crazy but then you know there's also parts that are pretty experimental
1: well yeah like Cold Embrace
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's that's actually a real ballad, and then um, stuff like uh, "Day in the Death."
1: Yeah. Um, Animal Magnetism.
0: That's, yeah. Yeah. Killer Train. Those those are more like some of the parts on "Day in the Death" are almost prog rock. Mhm. But you know, in the context of Testament, they don't sound prog rock, but. Um, That was one. Yeah, we were able to work that stuff in there, and I I love being able to, you know, go outside the the comfort zone, Mm -hmm. right? Or take take the band outside the comfort
1: zone, right? Right. And they're okay to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was looking at the website, and it looks like you guys are going to do some touring.
0: That's the plan. <laughs> I mean, you know, things are so uncertain now. But it is crazy. As of right now, at the moment I'm talking to you, yes, that's the plan.
1: So, yeah, so there'll be some festivals. Yeah. And um, so here's that question again when we were talking about gear shifting. Going from festivals to small clubs, obviously different gear, right? We, we already established right. that. But what about the mental, the the headspace of that? How do you you know try to try to explain that how that is for because it's it's for a lot of musicians you know most musicians don't get to play festivals you know right true uh, so moving from they're, they're usually in small clubs <laughs> so you know doing going from the one extreme to the other what is that how, how do you what's the coping mechanism because <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be some level of anxiety attached to that
0: yeah um well you get used to it and also it's it's a uh, it's a process of um, mental preparation
1: mhm
0: and you know it's much like yeah i I'm, I'm not I've, I've never been uh, big on team sports, although I do, you know, my athletics, yeah you know, really activities consist of you know, running and gym workouts, but it's a little bit like, you know, mentally preparing for uh, anything like that with a workout with stamina. Right. You know, you don't just jump right in. you have to be in a you have to calm yourself. You have to be in, a, in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, focus. And it's it's a very similar process. You get better at it as you go along. Um, you know, with a big crowd, you don't want to overthink. You don't want to obsess about things. And uh, you need to just... It's, just it's, it's a level of focus that, you know, it takes practice, but it's almost like... Um, like a type of meditation mm-hmm. and you just learn how to put yourself in the frame of mind of just be either being in um, being you know, playing alone or playing in a rehearsal studio
1: mm-hmm.
0: to a few friends and enjoy, enjoying yourself and it just that just happens to
1: be in front of uh, you know a crowd of thousands of people right right Years ago, I was in a. In, this is in the 80s. Um, I was in what we called a hair band back then, and we were doing mostly clubs and small theaters, and we did a f- couple of festivals. And I was. And at first, I was kind of like, "Wow, this is a little unnerving." And then someone said to me, "After the first 50 rows, you can't see them anyway. So, Why? so just just work work with that."
0: that's true that's true and
1: that's kind yeah, that's kind of that's it's kinda how I did it that was my coping mechanism for that yeah for yeah
0: sure. it's it's uh, it gets it, it gets easier too yeah and once once it's like okay you know what this isn't so bad
1: yeah so you're originally from Berkeley and now you're top of the food chain in Brooklyn
0: correct
1: and I, I, I was, I'm born and bred in New York living now wow. in, in, oh, cool. in Austin met my wife in Brooklyn actually in Bay Ridge that's where we met Uh Um, how much has geography and I ask this question a lot because I love I love to hear the answers but um, how much does geography influence your playing or does it at all
0: oh it does a lot I think yeah Um, I don't know if it's just if it's geography or just the fact that um, I'm in a cultural center
1: Mm mm-hmm that's for sure
0: yeah and I, I'm i surrounded by just incredibly accomplished musicians
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I certainly spent a few years just accepting that okay you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, these people totally have it together all right of all that you know it's gonna take me a long time to to get to um and and that's fine and I could either uh you know stop and do something else or I can just accept that okay it's it's gonna take some time (laughs) it's gonna take some (laughs) years so I just yeah I just kind of stuck with it I knew you know I, I had done a certain thing well which was the metal stuff but I I loved improvisation and just You know, some being able to play with so many, you know, different types of musicians, and uh, it, it, you know, just learning not to be discouraged by that. In fact, that's good. It's good that there are these great musicians around because it's Mm -hmm. just going to make me try harder.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And even now, even now, like you know, I, you know, I've come a long way from where I was, but there's still, you know, there's always a lot to learn and I'll, I'll hear musicians who are just mind blown. And I'm very, I'm realistic about it. I think it's safe to say, you know, I could, I play, I improvise at a professional level and I can be put in many different situations with professional players and, and do well. I'm also, uh, be living in New York, I'm also surrounded by players who are just, you know, changing the music. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like on that edge of developing music that you know I've just been at it for a long time. Some of them are friends of mine. hmm And I have you know, you develop a perspective. So you just realize, okay, you know what, they they, they are there. <laughs> I've got my own bl- little corner that involves, you know. <laughs> black do and, and certain areas of music that they might not venture into. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, but you know, you, you have to, um, yeah, you have to learn to be encouraged by that. And and I am, Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that, you know, some of these, these players, I mean, they're, they're right here. They're playing all the time. I'll hear them or I'll, I'll hang, hang out with them. I'll do events with them. Um, that definitely affects, you know, affects my playing. Um, if I was in some remote area and I just, I wasn't around, I mean, you know, maybe it wouldn't make as much of a difference now. I just know um, pretty much from the ni- late 90s into the 2000s, like, I just needed to be around that. I needed mm-hmm. that kind of stimulation. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit like uh, working out at a gym versus working out alone, right? Right. Because it, motivation for exercise, it's, it's not. it doesn't come naturally to everybody. Mm-hmm. And many people are, are helped by just being in these surroundings where, well, okay, other people are, you know, have their nose to the grind, they're you know, working out too. Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar thing with music, being focused on music because it helps me to be around others who are deeply focused on music to do so myself. Right. Otherwise, yeah, I, I'm, I'm 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 definitely affected by my surroundings, and I realized that, and that was why I, partly why I had to <laughs> take myself out of the San Francisco Bay Area, which is is a beautiful place and certainly got its artistic components, but. Um it, it operates at a very different pace. How so? Oh, well, it's it's much, you know, it's slower. Oh, well, yeah. Um there's a politeness with people which I I don't I I think politeness is overrated. I like I, just, I prefer Honesty, I for you know, sure. <laughs> genuineness.
1: And you I are truly a New Yorker. Work. You really are yes. a New Yorker.
0: Yeah, and I realized, yeah, I realized it was this epiphany I had. You know? <laughs> I'm more just more comfortable with that. I'm more comfortable with directness and knowing where everybody's coming from. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were we were talking about urgency. You know, I mean, there is no. I don't live in right smack in manhattan and i'm I'm glad for that right it that's there's no more sense of urgency than you know midtown manhattan
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's for sure
0: you want urgency there it is (laughs) and you know the some of the outer boroughs like brooklyn where i am well yeah you you get a little bit of that but you're not it's not in your face 24 seven. Right. It's right well, there. If you need it, you're going to come across it. You're right. going to hop over into town. It's a short ride. Right. But, um, you yeah, it, it, it still, it's, it, it feels more, uh, neighborhood like,
1: right. It's well, it's so a constant then, yeah. flow of inspiration yeah. too.
0: Yeah. There's, there's that as well. And also like everything happens in New York, mm-hmm. every tour comes through New York, every, mm-hmm. uh, great artistic presentation that happens in new york at some and there's regular gigs of just you know top artists mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. uh regular showings of galleries book reading whatever it is
1: yeah well like campolongo so, yeah. campolongo
0: yeah absolutely every right.
1: monday night right but um
0: and yeah, uh, you know, he, was, he I knew him in the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: He, right, example. that's so right, that's right. He had he,
0: to remove himself from that's the right. Bay
1: Area. <laughs> he emerged from there. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember? Do you remember the Joe Jackson record, Night and Day?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So when he was recording that record, he would walk around the city all day with a cassette recorder, one of those little cassette recorders, and he would just walk around <laughs> recording the sounds. Of this, of the, as he was walking around, and then he would oh, be, makes- he would go home, sit at the piano, and replay the tape, and then play music against that soundtrack.
0: Oh, that's so interesting! I never knew that.
1: And that's how he wrote the Night and Day record, and that's got that that one big hit that he had on there. Um, stepping out, stepping out, right?
0: Yeah, that is so interesting.
1: Isn't that a cool oh, concept? A great- I love that.
0: Yeah. That's, a, that's very art, art arty to
1: do that yeah it's like I, I thought Bowie when I heard that you know that would be something that yeah. David would do
0: yeah yeah that's great
1: yeah I can't let you leave without talking about one of my favorite records of 2018 which is Conundrum uh,
0: oh okay absolutely yeah
1: yeah I, oh. I think that this to me this record is like a snapshot snapshot of the road of the AST and each tune is like an exit ramp. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, as <laughs> stop on the road. And it's like, Oh look, here's where we are right now. Now let's right. get back. Now let's get back in the car and let's go to the next stop. Is that right? Is that a bizarre, like kind of esoteric take on the record?
0: <laughs> no, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Anyway, uh, it is a journey. I was definitely going for the sense of traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the song the title track is a real conundrum is a very traveling song you know it goes many places just mm-hmm. within the song mm-hmm. and uh it gets very intense at times yeah but then uh you've got moments like uh key of C.
1: oh my god yes <laughs> it's on my list of things to talk about go ahead
0: <laughs> well there i'm i'm you can tell I've been listening to a lot of Brian Eno. <laughs> that's, that's sort of my yeah my Brian Eno ambience, and uh, that was uh, composed on the piano
1: right
0: and just transferred to the guitar, which yeah Mathini does often mm-hmm. yeah, you were talking about him. and um, yeah, I, I feel like for some reason that album I don't know both it felt full circle in a way mm-hmm. this the very first album we did um goodbye to romance you know it, yeah it, it had this theme to it which you know I didn't want it to become a gimmick I didn't want to overdo it right but it was a great way to, to come out of the gate mm-hmm. you know which was rearranging favorite heavy rock things and um, you know, Conundrum has no songs like that at all right yeah the one before it, Veritas did have um, Fade to Black right but there's there's no covers on this there is an arrangement of a classical piece by Satie but other than that it's all original music and I just I feel like the it's got sort of uh, jazz guitar if you will that, you know, was more of a theme on that first album.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, as, as things went on, there was more experimentation. And I just thought, okay, why why not put an uh, acoustic guitar on a part, or why not over play an overdriven guitar on this part? Right. Um, so this one has all that. It's got some experimentation. But it's also got mostly... The um, jazz guitar sound, and I just think it, you know it was really captured well, and uh, that and Nate, my my band members play just played beautifully, and I I feel like that's the most fully realized uh, trio album.
1: I would agree absolutely. When you can't tell where one musician ends and the other begins, that's really mm-hmm. that's a really coalesced unit. Thank yeah, you. Thank absolutely. You. Yeah. Love that record. Really, 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 really do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Appreciate it. That's uh, the benchmark
1: for sure. Great. That's super cool. Well, Alex, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us today, man. This has been amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. My pleasure. I'm so glad we could finally make it happen.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And much love with the podcast. I think you. I think it's going to do really really well. It's it's really a lot of fun. I really loved the last episode of, you know, of uh people copying, you know, other people. It was fascinating to hear that how how uh you know, uh the stairway to heaven par- portion particularly was was really fascinating to me, you know, to hear the George Benson yeah. tunes against it and I was just like, "Wow, that descending line is just—it's—it yeah. was really great. You really kind of—you kind of really dismantled the whole thing. It was great."
0: Thank you. Yeah, I had a music attorney get a hold of me and said, "I just nailed it, nailed all the music." No
1: kidding, that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, well, yeah, it was fun to do. Well, this uh, next one, I—I I can't say what it is yet. Okay, it's a surprise, but. Um, I will just say that you you'll uh, appreciate it. And oh, um, it relates to a few things we talked about in this episode.
1: That's so, great. Well, I'm looking forward When it to comes
0: that. out you'll say, "Oh, of course."
1: No. <laughs> I'll shoot you a text.
0: <laughs> All right. Awesome.
1: Well, thanks so much. Hold on one second, but we're going to sign off right here. Okay. All right. Show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, GuitarRadio Show.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. Find Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And remember, if you like the artists you hear on Guitar Radio Show, don't just stream their music,
0: buy it.